The scripture is John 20, verse 19 through the 22nd. And when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had, were met, locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced. And when they saw the, when they rejoiced, and when they saw the Lord, Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you. And as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. May the Lord have a blessing on the reading this day. Thanks be to God. I would be remiss in not remembering what this weekend means to some people. As I was writing this sermon, I was reminded of the sacrifices that were made in my family. I remember Gene Harden and George Wagner at Eatonside because, see, they were doing D-Day. They were right on the front lines. There were people in my family who fought in World War II, Vietnam. Some of them went to Korea. Some of them were on ships. Some of them, or some of us, of the later generation, seen action, saving lives, and protecting the innocent. So this is a Memorial Day. And you need to keep in mind why this is a memorial. It's remember those who may have given a little bit, but some others gave all. And let that keep in our minds. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a good party. How many enjoy a good party? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y you know, there's always a good time being had when it's a special occasion, you know? I mean, think of it. Easter, it's the candy when you were a kid, you got hyped up on and ran your parents crazy. Or it was Christmas where you were waiting for that one particular gift and, you know, if you didn't get it, you were bummed, right? Or more important, it was your birthday. And, you know, now I didn't have ponies at my birthday, I can guarantee you that. Uh, 
but I had every kid in the neighborhood around at my birthday parties. I think it was my aunt's, I don't know. She had this really nice cake that she made every year for me. It was a pink marble cake. I, I actually have the recipe at home. But I always look forward to those, those times because there were times of joy and, and helpfulness. And, you know, I always wanted to celebrate with my friends and colleagues, you know. I mean, yes, I got to go to Thornsbury when I was a kid and pick out a toy. Or, you know, I got to write my list out for Christmas. Or I helped dye eggs and, and go pick out, you know, Easter candy. It was a lot of things you can do. But, you know, when we think about it, those occasions, gifts are involved, right? I mean, think about it. You wait all year for that perfect gift that you want to have for Christmas or your birthday. Your birthday, you know, birthday, Christmas. And when you turn 16, guess what? You get a car. Yeah, uh, I didn't get a car at 16. Um, Somebody loaned me a car to get around. But, you know, I still had to get my driver's license, right? So there's that. But, you know, not everybody gets a gift. Not everybody gets something special. I mean, there are some kids I knew that didn't even get a birthday cake. Could you imagine that? Can't get a birthday cake. And over the years, I began to understand what my Aunt Luella, and my Aunt Sydney Bell, you know, Sister Burdette, you know, all these people in my life, they always found a way to share their gifts, right? They always said, you, it doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger. So... You know, when you get that gift, you know, what are you going to do with it, right? I mean, we all know, what's the lifespan of a Christmas gift? What, 20 seconds? <laughs> you know, stuff's getting destroyed. You know, bikes getting wrecked. If you're, in Gen X, if you're a Gen Xer, you know what I'm talking about. You went out back and started jumping that thing as soon as you got a chance, right? I mean, let's, let's be realistic here. I mean, if it wasn't something that was really pressing, that you wanted it, and then you find out you really didn't want it, it becomes a problem. <laughs> you know, I remember one time that uh, my uncle had asked me, what do I want for Christmas? Now, you know, I'm a kid, so you know what I'm gonna say, right, toys. But there was one particular toy this year, this particular year that came out. It was an Atari. Now, for you younger folk, you may not understand what that is, but that's an ancient gaming console, you know? Now, as somebody who has helped uh, raise uh, somebody who was 13 and now is in their 40s, uh, <laughs> I have to tell you that um, I kept in my house seven consoles. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a gamer, okay? I'll be honest about it. but. I remember this very vividly because, see, my uncle was like, well, we don't know if we can get it. We may not have the money, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, all right, you know. So I didn't think I was going to get it. And then amazingly, I come downstairs of our house, and there's all these boxes all over the place, right? 
Now, I'm not a kid where I'm believing in Santa Claus, but I already know how, how the stuff got bought, right? They had, on Thanksgiving, they did a card game. Everybody participated. You saved up nickels, dimes, quarters, whatever, pennies. And the older folks would fleece you. I kid you not. I've gotten fleeced more than my share when I did that. But they used that money to buy your Christmas gifts. Unique, they thought, they were very cute. Now, you gotta understand, my, my uncle didn't even know what an Atari was. They had no idea. But they went looking for my cousin Coco, and, and they, you know, they looked around, looked around. So on that day when I came downstairs, what do I do? I go to the biggest box under the tree. Did I say that my aunt and uncle were devious? <laughs> I opened that box up, and oh, no. It's closed. Now you have to understand, I'm a bit of a clothes horse then and now, just different clothes, but, um, and different present, presentation now. But, you know, that's what was there. So I was like, ugh. So after everybody opened the gifts, there was one over in the corner, I didn't look at it because it had no label on it. I was always taught that you didn't touch anything unless it had your name on it. My name wasn't on it, so I ain't touching it. And they're sitting on the couch and they're going, what did you not open that box for? I said, what do you mean? They said, that box. I said, what box? The box over in the corner. Sounds like Abbott and Costello, right? What do you mean? I'm first one, I'm first one, second. Doesn't matter. I go over there, I get the box, I open it up, and <gasps> there's my Atari. Now, my, my aunt was like one of these people that would say, you know, before you do anything else, I made waffles and you're going to go wash up and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. And so it went in one ear, went out the other most times, but she was not playing. I mean, five foot four, and she had a right hook that could break you. So I'm not even going to go there. So, of course, my uncle and everybody, we did the thing, and we got, you know, cleaned up, jeans, tennis shoes, turtleneck sweater in my case. And, you know, I ate breakfast, and we went in there, and I start tearing into the box. But the funny part about tearing into that box was I didn't know what I was doing. My uncle didn't know what I was doing. So we had to read around trying to figure out how to hook this thing up. Well, we, we, we got it hooked up. It took us about 20 minutes. And me being the big mouth that I am and thinking I know it all, I'm telling my uncle, I'm going to beat you in this game. Here's how it works, blah, blah, and just kept going. Yeah, um, it didn't go the way I thought. I got destroyed. He was beating me at combat. He was beating me at Frogger. He was beating me at every game that I was there. I couldn't understand it. Wait a minute, you, you're from the jazz age. I'm Gen X. You know, hey, I should be beating you. Didn't work that way. And for months, I was trying to figure out how to beat him. For months. I would challenge him. Couldn't win. You ever feel like that? You just can't win? No matter what you do, you can't win? Yeah. It wasn't until I confronted him and I said, how did you learn to play this game? He said, oh, it's easy. I read the directions. 
The other part he didn't tell me is that he knew somebody had one and he went and practiced on it. That's the reason they made him head of deacons and trustees, because he was devious. Now, that was a gift, because it taught me something about winning and losing, expectation and reality. And when we look at today's scripture, get a little bit of that too, right? I mean, we hear about the disciples getting the Great Commission, right? Y'all remember what that is, you know? You will be able to do the acts that I do in my name, you know, and you are to spread out and do these things, right? And I'm paraphrasing. But we have to think for a second. Was everybody excited about that? I mean, you know, if you're in the military and they, they give you rank, you know, you find out real quickly that somebody who's a sergeant knows more than you. Just because you got some gold bars on your shoulder doesn't mean that you know it all. And I heard a lot of stories about lieutenants not listening to sergeants, especially the ones that were in Vietnam, because the lieutenants didn't come back, but the sergeants and the men did. We sometimes have to look at what we're given and use it in a correct way. Just because you've been given a commission, sometimes you don't know what that commission is and sometimes you don't know how to use it. So if you look at the disciples, the disciples, when they first heard this commission, you know, they were a little puzzled. They didn't know exactly what that meant. And, you know, after Christ was gone, they was like, wait a minute, what are we supposed to do? He tells us this, that, and the other. Now, one of the things Christ had said was, I'm going to send something your way that's going to help you. See, somewhere along that line, it missed out, right? You know, kind of like the box. You know, I was looking for one thing and it was misdirected over here because I didn't pay attention. When Christ gave us these gifts, it was not for us to use when we thought we need to or use at our own time. Christ said, this is on time right now for you to use regardless of where you're at. Now, most of us today, you know, when we think about this, we kind of like, well, what can I do? I, I don't have anything special about me. If you look at the scripture that was read, and if you go and look at the one in Acts, they were in a house, and it's nine in the morning. Nine in the morning, you should be drinking coffee, right? You know, or something in modern terms. But if you think about it, they were not expecting the gift. They were expecting just a couple people showing up and trying to figure out what they're supposed to do. And then it fell on them. As my cousin would say, like a house of cards. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if something hit me like it hit them, and your tongue's on fire, and you're jumping around, and everybody understands everybody else, but y'all speak different languages, there's gonna be some confusion. How am I gonna understand you? Wait a minute, you're from over here. It's like growing up in the west side of Chicago trying to talk to a south sider who grew up in the west side of Louisville. I can guarantee you that slang is not gonna work because what one person says is something else and it's gonna be a mess. But this wasn't a mess. See, God was showing them that you will be able to reach out to those who may not understand what you're saying by way of this gift. You will be able to do those actions that I have. You, you walked with me, you see me do them, you know what's going on. You should be able to handle this. Recently, I was uh, told that I was gonna have to take over some duties that I wasn't really, in my mind, prepared for. You know, I was not able to do certain things and I was kind of wigged out. And It's been three weeks. And the student I was assigned was absolutely abysmal. After three weeks, he became a real threat to some of our elite fencers. But I had somebody standing there immediately saying, hey, you do this, you do that, you do this, make this change, make that change. See, that's kind of like the Holy Spirit, right? It's looking at you, and when you have doubt, it reinforces what you have been taught what you know is correct and what you know is right. And so for these disciples, it was not just enough for this to happen. I mean, you know, Christ had came back and breathed on them and said, hey, you, get, you got this gift, just, just go ahead and use it. And I can guarantee you people in the room were like, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little afraid. But see, Jesus knew it wasn't going to be easy. Like when you start a new job, it's not easy, right? You don't know what's going on. But once you get there and you work it and you understand, then you become an ace at it. And the next thing you know, you're confident in the job that you have to do. And that is what that Holy Spirit is for. It's with you now. It's with me. It's with all of you. Think of how many times that this congregation has stood up and done great things. And I hear people say, well, we don't have a lot of people. Where one and two are gathered together. You, you hear me? One or two? Great things will happen. You don't need to have Southeast Christian to do good work. You can have one or two in this place, and you can do great work. There's a big difference between good and great. Understand that this is what Christ has called us for. You know, growing up where I grew up at, I learned a lot about using your skill sets. 
And not everybody has the same skill set. Not everybody's gift with, gifted with oratory or music. I sang in chorus, uh, show chorus. I'll never do it again. <laughs> I was good at it, okay? I still know how to play a piano. I don't know how to fix a car. I have friends do that, okay? I don't know how to do a lot of things. And yet I had people who I grew up with because of the color of their skin were not allowed doing the things they wanted to do. So they found a way around it. You couldn't be a doctor. You were a pathologist. You worked in the morgue. You couldn't, uh, you know, be a cook. Okay, you worked as a dining room assistant. And then when you were around your own people, you used those skills. And people were surprised and say, wait a minute, how did you know to do this? Oh, I always knew how to do it, just uh, they didn't allow me to do it. So I got to do it at home with family, friends, and people around me. See, they never lost those skills. I mean, if you ask any surgeon today, they will tell you that if they don't use their skills, they lose them. It's practice, 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 practice. So what's the difference between those gifts and our gifts? Well, you know, do we use them every day? Do we use our kindness? Do we reach out to people? Do we, I mean, you don't have to hand a dollar to somebody who's homeless, but you probably know somebody in your circle has got some problems that could use a good meal. I can't tell you how many times that I came in my house and people were sitting at my table, and they were mostly the kids I knew. I used to get fiery mad about it. I would never say it to them, but I would say it to my aunt. So why do you have them over here? This is my food. She goes, your food? Did you pay for it? No. Did you cook it? No. Not your food. And then I got the lecture about, you know, you're supposed to share with others. I hated that lecture. I still hate that lecture, and I've given it several times. But it's something about getting the gift of your humanity, the gift of your Christness. You have to be Christ-like, well, here's where you start. My dad used to tell us all the time, you point the finger, how many's pointing back at you? One, two, three. Where did the problem start? What is your job? What are you going to do? See, that's what Christ did to the disciples. He not only just breathed on them a gift, he made it clear to them that they had to use that gift to be able to help those who really need them. Quit being afraid of the naysayers. You know, recently in our General Assembly, we had people saying some very ugly things about children. Now, I don't know about you. Those of you who are older than me probably remember this. You were always taught never say something nasty about a child, right? And yet and still, we had people had the guts to say some of the most nasty things about children. Children. I know one person who came to me one time and said, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't agree with it. I said, did you say something? No, I, I didn't think it was appropriate. Stop. 
you didn't say anything, and you yet go into one of the largest churches in this city, and you didn't say anything? Where's your Christian? Wait a minute. You're supposed to be a follower of Christ, so where's your gift? How come you didn't use your gift? Your voice could have changed this game, but no, you decided to play the game. Now, I'm not God, and I definitely don't play one on TV, but I can guarantee you something, as Sister Willie Mae Lewis used to say to us, God will get you before you get out of here. So just remember that. He walked away. I walked away. I didn't laugh. But he got the message. And the next time a boat came up, he didn't take it. See, we've gotten to the point where whatever people say in public just goes out in the ether. We don't care. It doesn't affect us. I have news for you. It does. You were given a commission, and Christ gave you the tools. And he blessed us all with those tools to be able to use them to help those who cannot help themselves. One of the things that I was trying to explain this conversation one time to my nieces, and you know, I grew up with a couple of people that, um, let's just say they were enjoying a lot of animation growing up. And there was one animation, uh, anime, where they had three kids that basically were supposed to be from another dimension, and it was just really crazy, a bunch of mixed up Bugs Bunny type stuff as far as I was concerned. But for them to survive, they had to have some type of power. And the only way you get this power, you play a game called a gift game. And they would play this game. And each of them had a gift. One had a gift to communicate with animals and, and, and you know, copy what they do. Another had one to com communicate with nature and copy what nature did in controlling water, whatever. Basically myth and fairy tale, right? And then there was one who was obnoxious, very sure of themselves. And they got a gift and it was unknown. And the person running the game said, wait a minute, that's never happened before. Interesting. Now, I'm not gonna go into the rest of it, but if you think about it for a second, some of our gifts are unknown. And it was unknown, we shy away from them. In that animation, this person came to realize that his gift was more valuable than he knew. And he learned to use it for the good of everybody in his community. The same is true with the gift Christ gave us. Christ gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we may go out and help the helpless, the sick, the poor, include people that we know need our help, but more importantly, to see the pains of those who are suffering and to be able to look around and understand 
how other people use their so-called gifts to demonize others. Let me be realistic here. The gift we have is not a game. It is a gift that is to light a fire in your heart and in your soul, to stand up against those who want to twist and damage the words of Christ and damage communities. And I'm gonna be honest with you, this is the one true gift that lifts up all boats in time of need. And right now, we need to get busy. May the Lord have a blessing on this sermon. Amen. <laughs>